0: Ahoy, middies, and welcome to the org Anime Fan Recommendation Podcast, your monthly port of call for anime reviews and recommendations that maybe are on your radar, but most definitely should be. I'm your host, First Mate Kick, and with me, as always, is Captain Spike. Konbawa. Today is April 9th, 2017, and this is Anime Buoy Podcast, Episode 21, Your Name. (laughs) That's that's the name of the movie. Welcome, once again, our lovely and beautiful listeners, to another episode of the Anime Do- Anime Dewey. Though <laughs> that anime Huey Dewey and Louie, that's a it is the Afternoon buoy, but this is the org Anime Fan Recommendation Podcast. org Anime Fan Recommendation Podcast. Well, this week we're talking about a special film called Your Name. So let's buckle in and get this party started. The overview of the film, as being as spoiler-free as possible, is that it involves two teenagers kind of separated by distance and... A little more, but I don't want to get too more into that. So it involves Mitsuha Miyamisu, who lives in the rural countryside of Japan, and Taki Tachibana-san, and he lives in Tokyo. So as the comet is approaching Earth, they start getting entangled via their dreams, and one day, Mitsuha wakes up as Taki, and Taki wakes up as Mitsuha, and they end up switching bodies until one afternoon when they completely lose contact with each other, and so they're kind of of trying to reconnect with each other in like a literal star-crossed sort of way and all sorts of uh, different things kind of unfold there so uh, at at its surface it sounds kind of like a Freaky Friday sort of thing
1: but there's so much more to it. Um, I would actually say you know on some ways there, there are levels of the Freaky Friday body swap kind of fiction but I actually feel like this is the first original story I've seen in those trappings in a very long time. Yeah. It isn't just, LOL, he's a girl now, it's kooky, like there, there's an actual like reason, rhyme, and point to it. Exactly. So this is the brainchild
0: of Makoto Shinkai-san who uh, has a very interesting background. He originally got his start at Falcom, the game company. So I mean, you're if you're a listener of game Buoy, you might be familiar with Falcom through, you know, a lot of their um, JRPGs, the East games in particular are probably like their most popular ones, but, like, Legends of Heroes as well, you know, is also a very popular series. Uh, so he actually got his start over there in the 90s, but then ended up in 1999 releasing a short film called She and Her Cat, which was a kind of minimalist sort of look at a woman and her life with her cat through the perspective of the cat. And this won a prize at the Golga CG Animation Contest. And so, uh, after after that, he followed this up with Voices of a Distant Star, which involves a girl who ends up going to fight aliens in a Mecca and sending messages to her um, childhood friend through a cell phone, and it takes uh, years and years and years to receive the messages. Uh, so then he followed that up with um, some feature-length work, The Place Promised in Our Early Days in 2004, 5 centimeters per second in 2007, Children Who Chase Lost Voices in 2011, and The Garden of Words in 2013, and uh, Shinkai-san wears a lot of hats in all of that he does, and most of these he has done direction, writing, uh, storyboarding, and uh, in some of the recent ones, also the editing, and so this is true for Your Name. He was the director, the storyboard artist, he wrote the script, and did the editing for Your Name, and I mean, it's just it's uh, it's amazing just how much he how like he kind of like you know was like the sole creative vision for this in a lot of ways and
1: well and that's actually been true for a lot of his career uh you know voices of a distant star i think is where he really came up on the radar of a lot of north american anime fans um and you know for that feature it was quite a big deal because you know he made that back in 2002 and it was basically just he and his girlfriend produced that entire thing um he did pretty much all of the writing directing and production on his Power Mac G4 uh, using Lightwave, Adobe After Effects, Commotion 3.1, and even Photoshop. And then he and his wife voiced the two lead characters in that. So it was, it's very much in his wheelhouse to do entire anime productions himself, which, you know, prior to that time period couldn't be done. And yeah. even while he was doing this, a lot of professionals in the industry said it couldn't be done. And, you know, that kind of creative mind and vision wouldn't really work in a, in a larger production. And so for me, um, seeing your name or, you know, as it's known in Japan, Kimi no Nawa, um, is really sort of like Shinkai-san's vision. Really being brought to fruition of that sort of singular artistic goal, and I, I think really is a complete argument for why this style of anime is is so important. I, I absolutely think that that singularity of vision and purpose, and, and sort of that laser sight on you know sort of what it's trying to say, mm-hmm. it absolutely services your name and and elevates it to that next level of anime storytelling. Yeah, and
0: I mean, he's been called the new Miyazaki, and he he himself. Self says that you know that's an overestimation. That you know he he's pretty humble about it. But I mean he, uh, I mean especially in in this film has really you know accomplished something pretty special. Uh, I just wanted to highlight a couple of other creative talent on your name. The one of the animation directors, along with uh, doing some of the key animation, is Ie Inoue-san, who has actually had a, quite a interesting roster. A lot of it is been key animation, but on themes as varied as Evangelion Three. .0 You Cannot Redo, FLCL, Ghost in the Shell 2 Innocence, Ghost in the Shell Standalone Complex, Second Gig, uh, His and Her Circumstances, Kare um, doing things with uh, key animation for Paprika, some things for Ghibli uh, from up on Poppy Hill, and when Marnie was there, sort of the Stranger. So, interestingly, a lot of things that we've actually talked about here on Anime Buoy, uh, The Boy and the Beast as well, so uh, very Interesting to see some of these. Uh, Metropolis, too, the anime film. So, a lot of very celebrated stuff uh, doing some key animation. One of the producers was Genki Kawamura san, who's involved with a couple of things Detroit Metal City, The Boy and the Beast, a couple of the Bleach movies, a couple of the Naruto movies, uh, Professor Layton and the Eternal Diva movie. So, uh, interesting to see kind of uh, some different things there. Character design done by Masayoshi Tanaka-san and he's had an interesting resume as well. A lot of it doing key animation, things like um, a certain magical index and a certain scientific railgun, uh, key animation on Arjuna and Bleach, doing some things like key animation for Mobile Suit Gundam, Iron-Blooded Orphans, Soul Eater, X as animation director, you're under arrest the motion picture, Sword Art Online, so definitely has been around and done a couple of uh, quite a variety of things. Gurum Login, you know, so definitely definitely been around for a while. And the studio is Comics Waves Films, which a lot of what it's released has been uh, Shinkai-san's work, but also did some work on Space Dandy, some in-between animation on Yuri on Ice. We were
1: born to make history.
0: Yeah, um, a Doraemon movie, an OAV called Girl Power. So well, uh, they've
1: you know, uh, done uh, in-between animation on the this season's Recreators, which is supposed to be like one of the big to watch anime of the, the current season.
0: Yeah. So uh you know, uh not one that you maybe would recognize by name, but who's uh, you know, mostly notable for its work with uh Shinkai Son. So that being said, uh there I wasn't able to find too much in terms of, you know, interesting production notes, but one thing that is really worth talking about is that this movie you know, we try to go left of center, but this is a movie that was huge in Japan. Um, it is one of the um best selling anime of all time, or like highest grossing anime of all time. Um, and I mean it's apparently you know a record breaker all over. It's already in just its opening weekend here, apparently hit like six hundred thousand dollars. So um it is very widely celebrated, you know, critically acclaimed. And this just came out last year so i mean it's pretty and much you say
1: last year but it's it's literally in theaters in north america this week
0: right right so i mean it's um record-breaking it's huge it's uh, like uh, the fourth so it's the fourth largest ever domestic film in japan behind spirited away titanic and frozen so i mean it's a big deal it's like it's like i said it's done well in china thailand australia south korea and shaping up to do pretty well here courtesy of animation So, uh, you know, definitely well-deserved. So uh, with that, I want to just get into our conversation about it. So, uh, Captain Spike, I'm curious about how you first heard about this film and, you know, what kind of drew you to have an interest in it.
1: Well, I... um first heard of this film, you know, it actually debuted at Anime Expo last year, and I believe that was its world premiere before it even opened in Japan. Oh yeah, I believe so. And I have friends who go to Anime Expo every year, and I started to hear this buzz about this movie, and, you know, no one would really talk about what it was about, and that's actually a struggle we'll have here, is I really do think the less you know about it going in, the more effective it is as a piece of film, but all anyone would say is, when you get the chance, see it. And so, you know, when people hype something up to you that way, it's hard not to get immediately interested. And of course, you know, once I found out, you know, it's opening up in Japan, it starts doing incredible numbers. Um, I did my best to avoid spoilers. I actually did remain spoiler free before I saw it. I was very happy for that. Um, and as a result, I mean, the the film ended up really punching me in the gut. I, I can't think of a whole lot of features yeah. where I watch them and and weep. And that was, I think, really the the point of why so many people are like you have to see it you should go in knowing as little as possible about the narrative just just see it and let let it happen to you <laughs> and again that's how I really got interested because when people talk about a piece of art that way I don't know about you but for me once someone is like oh this art I had an incredible emotional response to it you have to see it when you can I don't know about you but for me that's like catnip like I gotta go
0: yeah I mean I can think of, like I mean for me it's rare for for a movie to, like, really move me to tears, but, uh, in terms of, like, anime, it's usually like Miyazaki, Hosada-san, like, with, um, Wolf Children was definitely really moving, or, you know, Satoshi Kon. So, I mean, like, that level of, um, masterpiece. That's, that's the level I would put this on. And I really didn't know a lot about it until you started talking about it, just to touch really quickly. And I, you know, I'd heard Shinkai's name be mentioned, but, um, I actually had never seen any of his other work until uh you know this weekend you, you know upon watching it you you had recommended me watch voices of a distant star which you know definitely was interesting to compare kind of thematically as well uh so I, i'd like to hear your thoughts on the characters in the story you know uh primarily we have uh mitsuha and taki but you know also they have you know a, a pretty a pretty uh strong variety of you know their friends and that you kind of get to know as they're swapped and not swapped so I, i'd like to, like to know your thoughts on the characters and like how you connected. If there were
1: any characters that you connected particularly with in, on a deeper level, or well, the the most notable thing I have to say is that there were no characters I disliked. Which, um, even even the estranged father. Well, you know, and that's the thing is that. But by the end of the movie, I didn't hate him. I didn't dislike him. I I, I understood. And I, and I don't want to talk about the movie. I don't want to talk about why that is. Um, but for me, the way the film progressed, I understood where he was coming from right and that is for me i think the best thing you can ask is when your characters in in your feature um characters who are presented as antagonists when their motivations make sense when you when you learn about their histories when you find yourself not disliking them not hating them but rather empathizing with them and thinking you know in their position my response would probably have been the same and this film does that to the degree that that's even a going concern and uh, you know all of the the friends of the two leads are all really charming uh through them of course we get to see the character development that these characters end up having due to these interactions with one another and most importantly these two leads are so likable both of them Um, all through the film watching their struggles and their triumphs i found myself really rooting for them especially when things don't look good for 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 them right I, i really was very invested in them because of how likable they were
0: and you know, it was interesting because uh starting off, I thought that it was going to focus a little bit more through Mitsuha's um, perspective. But then I feel like she maybe kind of carried the earlier part of the film where the later part of the film kind of focuses a little more heavily on Taki for, you know, reasons that became very clear in the narrative as it progressed. But, like you know, it was very it was very cute to see the interactions when they were swapped and like kind of figuring out, like, who is this person? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh yeah, I agree the uh, two leads, I mean like really, that's what, that's what sold the movie you know, uh, what, made it, what made it work was how likable they were and how y- you were rooting for them I'd like to hear your thoughts about the music the interesting thing about the music is that uh, this com- this has like an opening sequence like as you would expect in like, you know a television anime or an OAV uh, the music was handled by Yojiro Noda of the J-Rock band Radwimps and so I'd just like to hear your thoughts of uh, how you thought that suited the movie and if it uh just just how you thought about
1: it i thought the music was fantastic um the use of music actually reminded me a lot of the use of music in flcl and that is for me at least kind of like the highest pedigree i can ascribe something um again very similar use of like indie slash alt rock to really convey emotions um, you know there are a couple of times where vocal themes play in the movie um, sort of to show a passage of time or what have you or or just you know um, to carry the momentum of the actions going on and I actually felt like the music was really perfect um, of course the rad wimps they, they actually the music for this film was written for the film right? and, and it really does show um, my understanding you know we saw it uh, subtitled my understanding is in the dubbed version they also recorded English language yeah. versions of the songs so I, I you know I always love when the original artists do that, because it can always come off a little hokey when someone else does it. Yeah. (laughs) We're looking at
0: you, Pioneer Entertainment. Right.
1: Tenchi Muyo. Uh, Ah! Gion, as they they ended up being known, right? Genon, maybe? Oh, yeah. I wonder, maybe Genon. Uh, Anyway, irrelevant to the conversation at hand. Um, I thought the use of music was perfect. Um, I did laugh a little bit during the quote-unquote opening sequence. Yeah.
0: It was like, what's going on now? especially because at that point, it you know, kind of the more tugging at the heartstrings parts of the plot had not really been as evident yet. And so it just kind of seemed very like slice of life at that point. And you're just kind of like, oh. Yeah, I mean,
1: I was like, what is this, Karikano? Kano? But ultimately, again, it, it turned out to be really special. The music itself was really good. Um, the way that, that it's presented in the film, it really carries the action and really assists in, in keeping the momentum up. It, it's just masterfully, used. Used. I've already looked online to find the soundtrack of it. So, I mean, it, That's it awesome. stuck out with for me for sure.
0: And staying spoiler free, what were some of your favorite scenes or moments?
1: Um, Well, okay, so I'm going to have to kind of cheat on this. For me, my favorite moments and scenes that I can talk about without being spoilery. Um, if I were to be spoilery, I would probably say something else, Um, particularly like the last shot of the film was very meaningful for me. But otherwise, my favorite stuff were like the use of actual Japan in the feature. Um, I saw a lot of specific like train stops that I actually went to when I was in Japan. And so that for me was like very meaningful, even if it was just very minor background stuff. It's just like really neat to watch this film and be like, oh, that store there in the background of that shot. I've been in that store. And so, you know, oh, that wow, for yeah. me, that for me did carry a lot of meaning. And, you know, it, it also gave the the film more grounding for me. And uh, you know, it because for so many of these anime films I've watched, uh, you know, it's it's I understand that japan is a real place obviously but now japan is like a real place in my own life and so to see this story and particularly with everything that happens in this story in a place that i have been really increased um the tension for it and so Mm. so i would i would uh, in the interest of saying spoiler free say that that for me my favorite stuff was really the stuff that settled this as a place that really exists within my own life um, but what about you? Uh, so I'll give the
0: spoiler-free spoiler version. Like, uh, so like if if I was gonna be spoilery, I talk about how there was moments where you're like you thought that the story was gonna end, and you're like you didn't want it to end, and it didn't end. So like I w- I really liked that that kind of suspense kept going, and that you know it reached the resolution it did, which really made it really poignant. But uh, I think some of my favorite moments were really like the comedic parts. Like there's a couple parts where um, Mitsuha-san
1: has like thought bubbles and like it's just really cute the way it's presented oh, yeah. um oh but, you know i i actually i do have one that i want to cite oh go ahead um because it ties into what you were saying but very specifically um the family that mitsua is from is uh they, they're like guardians of a shrine oh and, yeah <laughs> and there's a really fantastic sequence and you know they do play it for embarrassment and laughter but there's a really beautifully animated sequence that's also very poignant um where they do like a traditional shrine ceremony and i thought that sequence was beautiful and um, you know it it really did it it communicated in a lot of ways through a simple scene of showing rather than telling it showed us the weight of um, sort of this family's place in society in modern-day Japan, mm-hmm. which ties into one of the other characters' plights that you and I were talking about a few minutes ago, but I, I don't want to talk about right. too much of the I details. See, I
0: thought you were going to talk about when, because uh, you know they, they, if the ceremony is about like, making sake, and they have to like, chew the rice and spit it out, which, uh, like you said, is kind of played for embarrassment, but then uh, the little sister's like, oh, you can sell Maiden shrine sake! <laughs> so I th- so that's what I thought you were going to talk about, which, which was a funny moment, but I think some of my favorite moments are when Uh, Taki and Mitsuha are body swapped and they're just trying to figure things out and, you know, there's definitely a lot of awkwardness and, you know, there's definitely some sort of not anime cliches, but, you know, like when Taki wakes up in Mitsuha's body you know, he has to feel uh, the boobs but, you know, um, she does the same thing when she wakes up in his body and she's like, oh, there's something down there you know, so, you know, definitely you know, that's not something you is completely unexpected for, you know, a body swap anime,
1: but, um... But the tone with which it was played, I thought was really delightful. And then, like,
0: for me, really, like, their, like, social interactions, like, how they behave at work in school, and then they eventually start, um, leaving, like, little notes on their phones to, like, be like, you know, don't spend so much money on sweets and, and waffles out at the cafe with your buddies, or, you know, like, uh... So it, it was just kind of cute to see how they kind of got used to, um, the awkwardness of that. But, like I said, there's also some really beautiful moments that like seriously brought me to tears. So uh, I think that being able to handle both of those things uh, is really what makes it successful, is that there's those really funny moments, but also just really, you know, heartfelt moments. Absolutely. So to wrap it up, I'd like to know how you would relate this to other anime in its genres, which I would say, you know, there's like dramedy, dramedy, kind of uh, drama comedy, romance, but also there are supernatural elements, and that's a spoiler- I'd say more like
1: science fiction, right? But but yeah, I mean, sort of
0: both. And um, if there's any tropes or
1: similar anime that it kind of uh, plays upon, you know, it I will I do still closely relate it to Voices of a Distant Star. Um, other than that, though, it has some similarities with a TV show that ran a few years back on uh, Japanese TV called Kokoro Connect. Um, I don't uh, really haven't heard a lot about that show from uh, Western fans, but my understanding is that it's it's also pretty good and goes in a similar direction. Uh, for the most part, though, the thing for me about Your Name is that it's it's very much, for me at least, like a romance film, but it's it's a romance film coming from a direction you least expect. Right,
0: right. And I think that knowing the context, at least, of Voices from a Distant Star is really beneficial because there's the kind of theme of being Literally connected. star-crossed love. Yeah, being connected across time and space, so to speak. And I mean, I'm not going to go too much
1: more into that, but yeah, that, that from voices of a distant star though. And and I can see how that kind of situation relates.
0: Yeah. So it's just, it's really something special. Uh, do you have any closing thoughts on it before we, uh, see it? Uh, if you're yeah. listening
1: to this show, you should see this movie. Yeah. I mean, if
0: you're listening to this as it, as this is a new episode for us, uh, it's airing in theaters this week in North yeah. America. We
1: are literally going to go see it again in the theater tonight. Yeah. Like it's that good. Yeah. Um, Aside from that
0: uh, supplemental material, there was a novel written by Shinkai-san meant to go with the film. It was released a little bit ahead of the film's release. My understanding is that it follows the plot pretty much exactly, and I believe there's also a manga adaptation as well. I'm not too familiar with that, but... uh, I've heard that it exists, but I haven't read
1: it or seen it. Yeah,
0: so it it is a beautiful gem of a film. Uh, Probably one of... Now one of my top anime films, uh, maybe just even top films, really. I mean it's that it's that good. Yeah, I'm very eager to see it again. All right, with that, uh, we're going on to our Ask Mail or dot Ask Mail, sorry. This month we're talking about your name. Are you familiar with this 2016 film that was critically acclaimed in Japan? Um, we had Emiru Sixty Nine saying, I haven't watched the movie, but I want to. Unfortunately the film is not showing near me. Edwin Wanfour said, Yay, it's playing at my local Tinsel Town. And and, uh, your enzyme saying, well, this is sad. The theater that was going to be playing Your Name by Me got a corrupted copy, and it won't play past the intro. That really sucks. That sucks. I hope sucks. that they've resolved it since then, and that you have a chance, because this is, uh, it's beautiful. Um, really quickly, um... Have you been watching any anime that you want to point out? My anime watching has been a little bit
1: slow, personally, so, uh... You know, I expect in the next week or two we'll be doing a new season preview, so I should hold my thoughts for then, but I have been watching the new season shows, and I'm really excited about several of them.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to that. With that, we love your iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio subscriptions, ratings, and reviews. We like your Facebook likes, and we effing love Twitter. You can mail us at mailbui
1: at animebui.org.
0: And
1: our home base is animebuoy.org. Animebuoy.org.
0: Mike, can you please give us some shout-outs?
1: Of course, I'd like to point you in the direction of PodUken, CCCP Comics, Cosplay, and Cons podcast, focusing on the three favorite non-video game nerd pastimes of Dave, at Edward Wong4, and his co-hosts. You should also check out GameBooey.org GameBooey.org! Where Slykick and I talk about left to center gaming news and views that maybe aren't on your radar, but most definitely should be. We have a live episode coming up It's gonna be a lot of fun, talking about Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. You should also check out Ranger Pride Cast where myself and Shane Elenko talk about the current season of the Power Rangers meta series as well as the current season of the Super Sentai meta series upon which it's based. If you're interested in what we talk about here on Anime Buoy, you'd probably be interested in what we talk about on Ranger Pride. Yeah, so I've i can... definitely become a Sentai fan. Like, yes! In a way. What about you?
0: I'd like to shout out to Transformation Sequence, the podcast where a panel of nerds gets to talk about anime without fear of random bullies making fun of them because their bodies and don't know how to act in each other's bodies. I'd also like to shout out to Reading is Fundamental, the RuPaul's Drag Race podcast with myself, Spike, Rob Roberts from Original Radio, and Delvin from VG Realness. The podcast where we serve tea and dish about everything RuPaul's Drag Race, Hunt Tea, and the same type of tech bonus podcast where Spike and I, along with Trainer Salker, dive into the deeper roles of Pokemon twice monthly. With that, thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you've, uh, if you hadn't been familiar with your name that you're definitely interested in it now and like if you have a means of seeing it you know we recommend everything that we talk about here but you know this is a a must see you know it's a modern classic so please uh let us know if you check it out and we'd love to hear your thoughts with that thank you for listening and uh, without further ado keep watching keep watching keep thinking keep thinking and what's your name oh
1: pie Speaking to your mic for me? Speaking to your mic for me. Mics are hot. That's hot. Ready? Yep.